People told me I couldn't do a lot of things. I feel like I'm the chosen one. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. All we are is proud and passionate. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the, the NBA Finals. Nothing matters but winning. Welcome back to episode 64 of Rapsville Weekly. I'm your co-host, Gabriel Chelio, here with my other co-host, Adam Kasucci. And today we have a bit to talk about. You know, we've been off for a couple of days here. About three Raptors games have gone by. We've got to talk about those as long as some, along with some other news that's been going through, trade rumors and uh, other stuff in the Raptors media, including even what's going on with the, the G League starting up now. But before we get into that, as always, please like and subscribe. Check us out on Instagram, at Rapsville, for NBA news and Raptors content. And most importantly, leave your comments down below because we want to get you guys involved in the conversations as well. Yep, and we will be having a, a, a guest series um, in the summer. So if you would like to apply, we will be posting um, on our story uh, a bunch of applications that uh, just register and, uh, and you will apply to be in the podcast. Okay, so to get started... I want to talk about uh, Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris's first two games in the 905. Um, kind of starting off there, Mutombo, the coach of the 905, kind of started them off on the bench, which is a bit surprising. Um, obviously, them coming uh, from the Raptors and being drafted in this year's draft class. Um, I just wanted to talk about what's the big difference between the 905 and the NBA and how, how the confidence levels kind of change and how the players mentally prepare. Like if Malachi is going to be taking more shots in the 905 and he's going to be running the team more, how does that make a difference compared to him in the NBA? Yeah, well, in the 905, obviously, the competition is extremely different, obviously weaker than it would be in the NBA. So that can obviously add to the confidence level of some of the players. And I think that in terms of where everyone's at kind of in their career, most of the G League players are young players or are struggling to get a roster spot and they've been sent down for development or they're trying to just work their way up in general. So I feel like that competitive environment adds to everyone's fire of wanting to be uh, great. And I guess someone like Malachi Flynn or Jalen Harris, both solid pieces, obviously Malachi Flynn being the first round pick. Um, obviously he wants to step up and prove that he is one of the best players you know, on the team and against his competition as well. So he wants to be aggressive and show that he can score and maybe the defense isn't as good in the G League and the players aren't as skillful, so maybe he's looking better, but I think also there's a fire underneath him to prove his worth, especially because he was sent down from the Raptors. So he wants to prove that he is of some type of value, and also he can do a good job of leading the team there. And I just noticed, like, from the bit that I've seen him play, I feel like he is just much more aggressive with the ball, and, like, even on ISO plays, when he was with us, he was very um, vanilla, that he would just go... He would just hold the ball, wait for a pick and roll, and just pass it around. He wasn't creating. He wasn't being aggressive, trying to make his own plays. Um, he was kind of just playing a really simple basketball. And then with the 905, he's been really aggressive and uh, you know attacking on the ice, so hitting, pulling up on threes. And I just feel like, I guess, with the G League, he just has more confidence there, and he's trying to just develop his game and prove his worth. Yeah, I feel like, like the G League, like you said, Gabe, is more of a showcase. You're trying to prove your value. You're trying to get to the big club. And you're trying to show the coach why you belong there. That's why we, we've been seeing guys like Elise Johnson, Nick Stauskas, Malachi, Harris, all kind of developing and growing in the 905. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of big games from them uh, because their confidence is boosted uh, when in the 905. Um, I think a lot of players mentally feel like they can, they can take a lot more shots. And even if they miss, they're not under that much pressure. 
in the big club, uh, when you get less minutes, every shot is really more emphasized, and you're really looking at only the minutes that you that you played in the little time, right? So uh, it's very emphasized, and uh, I think that Malachi and Harris will be back, though. I feel like, uh, especially Malachi, I think he does have the talent. I think he's just adjusting to the league and uh, and how big the players are, how fast they are, uh, the rotations, and what really Nick Nurse and how he fits in the system, I think is a big part of why Malachi got sent down. But I think he'll be right back up, and uh, let's hope he does well. Yeah, I feel like everyone just gets a fair amount of chance in the G League, get their minutes, uh, and get to put up good numbers. A lot of players in double digits over the past two games. And in the most recent game, Malachi Flynn putting up 25, Johnson 23 in the double-double. Um, so clearly, you know, there's tons of shots to go around, even Nick Stauskas. Uh, people just put up good numbers there, and it's definitely a good showcase for them. Hopefully, um, they make a mark there and they can return soon. We know Malachi Flynn has potential. He just hasn't been able to show it just yet with us. So hopefully, we can see it soon. Yep, moving on to our next topic, uh, how not returning to Toronto will really hurt the Raptors tremendously. And I think this is a big thing also. Uh, if they return to Toronto, obviously they could be seeing their families, uh, which a lot of them are staying in Toronto, right? So, And playing at the Scotiabank Arena, obviously, uh, with fans, even if they did return, I don't think they would have played with fans. But uh, even just to play in the building, uh, you know the area, you know your surroundings, I think it will it would have helped the Raptors tremendously in that in that regard. Yeah, they're just, they're in such a weird circumstance compared to, you know, it's already weird enough with COVID and all the rules and the traveling and waking up early to do your testing. It's been a problem for a lot of players, but I think at, with the Raptors, having an additional thing of not being at your hometown, not being able to stay at your home if you have one or condo, if you have one in Toronto and having to deal with getting a place in Tampa and moving around and new environment, got to find your way around directions, close stores or something like that. There's a bunch of different tasks that they have to manage on their own. So I feel like it's just added stress and not being able to come at home is a little annoying. Obviously, Tampa was a little more lenient with fans at the start than uh, it would be in Toronto. But still, I feel like, you know, the the environment, the atmosphere, your actual home court, I think it means something. But hopefully the team has found some type of uh, cl- uh, closure getting their own arena and maybe making that their new home for now. I would really like to see them return. I know Kyle said the same thing, but... I guess it is what it is. You can't do much about it. It's what's best for the league in terms of safety of the players and transporting and uh, having to do with the quarantine and stuff. It's just simpler this way. So just hopefully the team can now find Tampa as a true home and use it as a home court advantage. Yeah, I feel like it's a sad case here for the Raptors because we really feed off our crowd um, in every game, in every close game. Um, like now Batia said, I think last year with Boston, um, really, uh, being in the home court uh, in Toronto, I think we would have t- taken that series uh, with the crowd. So I, I really think it's a big advantage, especially for Toronto having one of the best uh, uh, fan bases in the league. And, uh, and the players do really feed off of it. We got a, got a lot of guys with uh, with a lot of streakiness and momentum that can get hot quickly, like we've seen Siakam, Powell, uh, Lowry. A lot of guys that really feed off the momentum of the crowd, and it's just a it's just a, a bad thing here for Toronto. And I think they got unlucky in this situation. Yeah, we truly have one of the best fan bases in the league, and a lot of players say it. I think Tyler Hero said it recently that his favorite place to play besides uh, Miami is Toronto, just because the environment is crazy, the energy is fantastic. We already know that it's going to be a good game. Our team usually puts in always a solid fight on both the offensive and defensive end, but we feed off the crowd. It's so true, and the energy inside the Scotiabank Arena is just uh, electric, so it's a shame that we can't have that. Obviously, COVID plays a big part in that, but... 
I think this season and last season at a point where we're kind of in the middle of transitioning between losing star players and trying to still be a playoff team and, you know, holding on to our last couple of years with Kyle Lowry. Now his contract will be ending soon. Uh, who knows where he will go, but also he's getting older and he obviously is close to retirement at some point. I feel like holding on to these last couple of years, it's sad that we can't have that home court advantage because we feed off of it so much and a, and a, an average team on paper in terms of what we had this year and maybe even last year, I feel like could have performed so much better with a home court environment, probably taking the Boston series, maybe even taking Miami and going to a second straight final. You know, it's a possibility. And I feel like if we had that on our side, it would have played a huge advantage. So it's just a shame. Yeah. And I feel like uh, our bench could have also created like a, like also like we've seen in the past with the bench mob, yeah. Uh, like we've had previously with uh, with Pearl, Siakam, when they were on the bench, Freddie, um, they could have kind of created that kind of uh, culture uh, on the bench if we had a crowd. I feel like now, uh, without the crowd, I feel like it's just uh, not less energy, but uh, they haven't been, been playing uh, up to par, and there hasn't been a lot of uh, scoring and uh, and just production, honestly, off the bench, um, other than Boucher and Bembry, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, that's what I think for that. And moving on, transitioning to the next topic, um, we will be talking about the, the transition of, of Powell and his game and uh, the OG and Powell starter situation and what we're going to do there. Yeah, so Norman Powell, obviously, everyone that's uh, kind of been watching the Raptors, as long as you're a, a fan that's been watching the games, most importantly, you definitely have seen Powell take a huge step as of late, you know, probably somewhere around his last maybe – 12 to 14 games have just been incredible um, with OG being out due to his injury. Norman Powell has found a starting role and he seemed to be producing night in, night out. Uh, the last game he had against Boston wasn't his best, that's for sure. But then the games before that, Washington and Memphis, he had uh, 28 and 29 respectively. And, you know, he's just been having stellar performances, taking on a big scoring role for this team and proving his worth, that's for sure. And making a name in the starting lineup, it seems that when he's been in the starting lineup and getting his valuable minutes, 30-plus uh, usually, he's been putting up great numbers, shooting efficiently, and scoring in bunches, getting hot for this team. And the question is now, what do we do with him when OG comes back, which should be soon? Nick Nurse has said that possibly he's expecting Sunday he could be returning. OG did practice today on Saturday, so you know it's a possibility we could see him on Sunday's game, but... What do you do then? Do you play Powell at the bench, and is that going to ruin his momentum? Is that going to ruin his time? Do you try going small to keep Powell in the starting lineup? And if you do, then it obviously depends on who you're versing because that will make a huge difference on how you end up performing against the team that you verse. We're versing Minnesota next game, so Carl Anthony Towns is now healthy. You kind of need a big man. You can't really go small against him. You know, he's a good scorer. So now you're in a tough situation of what do you do with Norman? Do you start OG off the bench at first? Maybe because minute restrictions, you know, because he's still with that injury, you want to play him lighter minutes. Uh, or do you put him at the starting but still give him minute restrictions to keep Norman the hot run? But what happens when OG's fully healthy, Adam? Yeah, I think I would kind of make a little bit of a switch here. I would kind of do the unorthodox thing and, and put OG on the bench to start. And I think when getting this production from Powell, you just have to kind of roll with it. Like you're getting um, that much, that much of an offense from Powell uh, just by himself. But when he's catching the ball off the drive, his kickouts have been great. Um, getting to the rack, his finishing has been absolutely tremendous, and he's shooting the ball with a lot of confidence. He's not hesitating at all. 
he's vaulting up right when he gets the ball. There is no, there is no uh, slight double clutching or anything. It's just he's going up and he, and he really feels that he can make the shots that he, that uh, the Raptors are giving for him. Uh, and I think he's been uh, enrolled in a lot more actions as well, a lot of more picking roles. And I think he's getting more comfortable handling the ball um, in terms of running the the Raptors' offense as well. So I think his job, uh, to be honest, has been uh, simplified. And he just really needs to focus on scoring. And he could kind of be like a, a Malik Beasley uh, on the Minnesota Timberwolves um, to our opponents next game. Kind of like him, just a scoring option and uh, can really benefit the team that way. Yeah, so what I'm seeing here is that obviously OG had a role as a 3 and D player. And Norm is bringing you the three ball shooting, but also uh, scoring in other ways, being more aggressive and uh, kind of better on the offensive end in terms of finding his shot, maybe a mid-range off a pump fake or driving to the rack. He's a little more, um, you know, good at doing all three things, three-level score. So that's good for him. The thing is the defense, you're always like, okay, you might sacrifice a size and strength and solid defensive ability. Even though Norm can be a pest, there's that size and strength disadvantage. But luckily for this game, Minnesota, the small forward is Anthony Edwards, and he's a good player, but he's also 6'4", 225. In terms of height, that's at least someone that Norm can match up with. And starting lineup, that shouldn't be a problem. They got Beasley at, at the 2, also 6'4", and then Rubio at the 1. So in terms of us going as a small ball team like like we usually are, we're a little undersized, it wouldn't be a problem with Norm at the 3 this game. So I think it could be a good idea to maybe put OG off the bench. Yep, I'm, I'm going to stick with my case there. And then talking about uh, size, Gabe, Andre Drummond and Tristan Thompson are really uh, highly valued on the market right now. Um, and teams are looking to pick them up. Obviously, Thompson is in a situation with Boston coming off the bench for Daniel Tice, as we saw uh, the last couple games. And we also seen uh, Drummond kind of take a back seat, and Allen's getting a bit more minutes uh, for Cleveland. So is this the time to pounce from a side? Do we intensify in talks, Gabe? I personally, I think that now is the time we should move in on Drummond. Um, Cleveland's been having horrible sets of performances. In the past 11 games, they've lost 10 of them. And in the past three games specifically, Andre Drummond hasn't played the best. 15 points against the Suns uh, in 36 minutes, 4 points against the Nuggets, and 8 against the Trailblazers. And in the Nuggets and Trailblazers games, he played 16 and 17 minutes apiece. So for one of your star players who is an absolute animal on the defensive end and the offensive end, how is he being kept so quiet and his minutes being so low? He's not shooting the best, and I personally haven't been watching his play game in and game out, so I don't know if... This season, uh, the past couple of games, he's been just playing bad when he's on the floor. But he is a, you know, almost all-star caliber player. And for him to be not playing the past two games, they've been blowouts. And I know that the Cleveland's been going deep with their roster when it's blowouts. But 17, 16 minutes, it's a little bit suspicious. And I'm wondering if their trade rumors are hesitating and leading towards um, him not getting as much minutes because he could be getting shipped out. And they want to get maybe Allen more involved to fill the role once Drummond leaves. And that that makes sense. So honestly, I think that there could be moves happening. And in terms of a Raptors fan, I really hope that the moves are coming from you know our our management team because we definitely, definitely, definitely need someone like Drummond. He fits the role perfectly, the spot, like the, the space that what we need. The question is now, what do we give up, and how do we make sure it doesn't you know ruin the team and yeah. take away from what we're trying to build? Because we're still in a playoff spot right now, seventh seed, and we can definitely work towards a fifth seed at some point. So how do we just minimize the damage in terms of losing solid pieces? Yeah, like you're you're keen on this Drummond, uh, Gabe. I'm looking at this Tristan Thompson deal. Um, I'm saying that we give up less value. 
Um, we're still p- picking up a bench power forward or center, or we could even start Thompson. It depends, and we go we go smaller. Um, I would keep uh, Baines in the starting position, but uh, and I would move Thompson to the bench. Not saying that Thompson isn't as good as Baines, just I think that the bench will need some rebounding um, along with Boucher, and Boucher can yeah, and Boucher can also stretch stretch the floor uh, shooting the three balls. So I think that would be a big benefit to the Raptors team. Yeah, you know I think that's fair. If that move does work, I don't know specifically what they would want for Tristan, but it's but like just rolling with I guess what we have right now. I can definitely see Tristan at the five and then Boucher at the four stretching the floor and then some of our other pieces uh, on the wings, like Watanabe or Stanley or something, and then whatever scoring presence we have off the bench at the guard position. Uh, Bembry, I think I can see that working. It's just a question of what would they what would they want for Tristan Thompson? Adam, do you have any idea? I The price tag will obviously be lower for Thompson uh, than for Drummond, uh, but I do think... Um, uh, Tristan Thompson, I think we can maybe offer Aaron Baines or if we offer uh, a Johnson and a couple of picks, um, I would be totally fine with that. I think we really need to solidify the rebounding off the bench um, because we need to really, that, that area has just been hurting us um, for too many games now and we've seen, uh, we've seen it hurt us in a lot of fourth quarters as well. So we really need to clean, clean that up. Okay, that's fair. And then our last topic would be, uh, can we trade TD? and get some veteran presence and scoring uh, threat off the bench. Um, I don't know about any names right now about vet, uh, veterans that are that are kind of on the market, but I would look at from a Sayujiri um, to kind of trade away uh, TD. Not that I don't believe in him, not that he's not a good player. I just don't feel like his consistency level is matches this Toronto Raptors team. I feel like we're looking for consistency off the bench. Uh, we need a scoring threat game in, game out. And he just hasn't been providing uh, that for us. And his turnovers and decision-making hasn't been uh, great of late. So I think that that's just an issue that another one that we got to cover. Yeah, I know definitely Jack Armstrong's got a problem with it. He loves to point it out. And I know a lot of fans probably thinking the same thing. When uh, Terrence Davis comes on, he tends to make a lot of problems, a lot of mistakes, uh, giving the ball away, forcing up tough shots, going on an ISO and hitting a jacked-up three with a guy in his face. That just bricks horribly. Um, he does score well. He, he is capable of being aggressive, driving to the basket. He's very athletic, great vertical, and he can shoot the ball when he's open. I just think like the decision-making is not there right now. Obviously, there is chance of improvement for him, and I do believe that he can be a good asset to this team in terms of scoring the ball, especially with the bench unit that's very defensive. But there is a possibility that uh, the management, even the coaching staff, might be just getting annoyed with Terrence Davis's performance and shot selection and decision making so there is a possibility we can move him uh the question of value is kind of hard you know he did make the all-rookie team last year and he does have potential it's just the question is how much do you get out of him and is it worth giving him away what i see more is maybe him and another player in a bigger move like the thompson or the uh drummond i feel like he could be a good second piece with potential just someone that definitely needs to be worked upon. And if we give him away in that sense as a second piece, I think I'd prefer that better than just straight up, straight up handing him over for picks or, or uh, you know, an older player that's not as good or not as, not as much potential. I feel like he's good as a second option in a trade. Yeah, I truly see the value in that game. Um, I think to, to like, juice up the trade, I think giving a guy like Terrence Davis will obviously, uh, the other team will look and say, okay, he's got potential. He's young. 
Um, he's got an NBA-ready body. Uh, he has uh, had big games in the past. But yeah, I think uh, I think that is kind of a good thing to kind of just rotate it in the, in the Tristan and Drummond deal. So the first game we want to get into now specifically is the Raptors versus the Grizzlies game. The Raptors won 128-113. to And this game, you know, was a pretty solid performance by our team. We kind of uh, fell asleep a bit in the second quarter and went down by half. But then the third and fourth quarter, especially the fourth, became a really strong close this one out. The thing about the night here was JV was having a bit of a revenge tour. Uh, he was just absolutely tearing us apart in that starting lineup off the bench, attacking Baines, getting rebounds, obviously has a bit of height over Baines, um, being aggressive, you know, swinging his elbows when he's catching a board and then getting in ones. And then even Boucher, obviously, he has height and he has uh, weight on him. So JV was just absolutely on a tear. He put up 27 points and he had 20 rebounds on 8 for 12 shooting, a steal and a block. Um, he was just one of the main reasons that this game was so close. Obviously, they had great performances. John Morant had 18 points, 9 assists, but 5 for 17 shooting. Um, Brooks, 22 points, 5, five rebounds, but 8 for 20 shooting. Um, a steal and two blocks, I should add. And even Anderson, a couple of buckets, 15 points. Desmond Bain, 13. But the real problem was JV. Simple as that. Uh, Baines played 18 minutes, but didn't get much scoring. Only 7 points, 6 boards, because you, you can't do it against JV. Boucher, 29 minutes, 12 points, 10 boards, 4 for 11 shooting. So JV was like the impact player this game and made it very, very hard to, you know, kind of get away from them. But luckily we had, you know, three monster performances. We had Siakam with 32 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 11 for 18 shooting, uh, dominating his matchup with Anderson. You had Powell with his hot streak, 29 points, 10 for 17 shooting, 6 three balls on the night. He was obviously incredible, and you had Fred VanVleet, 32 points, 9 assists, 8 for 14 shooting, 3 steals. So when you got three guys putting up almost 30 points apiece, um, you know, it's hard because you got three guys that are really hot shooting the ball well and attacking, Pascal on the inside, Fred uh, on the outside, and, and the same thing with Powell, kind of outside-inside game. So when you have three guys like that, it's hard to keep up. They obviously couldn't handle us defensively in terms of those three, but JV was putting in a pretty good argument for us, keeping it as a close game. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up a little bit of a uh, of Fred VanVleet and uh, and how he performed. I felt like earlier in the game when Memphis was dominating, uh, Fred VanVleet uh, really kind of held the load for the Raptors, uh, created created the offense, and uh, when everyone else uh, wasn't really playing up to par. And then as Fred started getting into his groove, I noticed Siakam started playing better, Powell started playing better, kind of everyone kind of emerged as one. And that's when the Raptors succeeded and got their defensive stop. So I think Fred Van Bleed is a huge part, especially with Lowry leaving this game uh, with the back spasms. I felt like he was the reason that the, the, the turning point of the game, basically. Yeah, his leadership has just obviously been incredible in terms of uh, his ability to play you know, on the court, but then also helping his teammates get better and step up. It looks like they're following his presence like they used to with Lowry. So I think that he's doing a good job stepping into that role. And, um, yeah, I think, obviously, just his performance was incredible. And then Pascal had a huge step up this game, and even Powell, obviously, con- uh, continuing his hot play. And in terms of other players, we didn't see too much production in terms of scoring. Uh, Bembry played 25 minutes. He's he's really getting his minutes worth, man. He got six points, two boards, two assists, perfect shooting, and two steals on the night. I think that his role has become greater and greater. We've been talking about it so far, and it's clear. He's just making the right decisions when he's on the floor. He's he's hitting his shots when he has them open. He's not forcing anything. He's creating for his teammates, and he's playing stellar defense. He's just doing his part. 
Uh, Watanabe, uh, zero points off the bench in 16 minutes, but he had seven rebounds, a steal, and an assist. Uh, kind of taking a step down in terms of scoring and then obviously being injured as of recent with his ankle. We don't know if he's going to return. And Terrence Davis kind of been sloppy. So that's pretty much all for that game. Uh, for the Raptors-Wizards, the score was 137-115. Basically, the first quarter was a blowout. We were up 40-28. to 28. 40 points in the first quarter is always a good sign of an offensive night. And then the second and third and, uh, were pretty close. And then the fourth, we carried it home. We had a nice lead. And uh, we took that one home easily. Um, in terms of scoring, Siakam, once again, had a huge night. 26 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 9 for 18 shooting, 3 for 4 from 3. Uh, not really a, a strong matchup here. Hachimura was his best uh, defender, but he won that matchup easily. I think, you know, Pascal, I'm glad he's taken a step up these past couple of games, playing a lot better, being more aggressive on the inside. And this game, he was hitting the three ball, so that's good. Um, making a lot of bailout buckets. Lowry coming back from the back spasms. He had a solid game, 21 points, four boards, five assists, eight for 14 shooting, two steals and a block, five three balls on the night. So that was fantastic. Uh, Fred took a little bit more of a backseat this game, 14 points, seven dimes on five for 10 shooting because the other guys were hot. You had, you had Siakam scoring, Lowry scoring, and even Powell, who had 28 points, seven boards, four assists, 10 for 18 shooting, two steals. You can't ask for more, man. Back-to-back games, huge, huge numbers from him. Fantastic scoring, and I'll even give a shout-out to Boucher off the bench. 17 points, 16 rebounds in 24 minutes, two blocks, five for 10 shooting. Uh, in terms of center, all they had was Alex Len. Um, you know, being a little bit of a pest and Robin Lopez, they were being aggressive, you know, rebounding the ball, especially kind of uh, giving, making it a tough night for Boucher. But I think Boucher still put up a solid performance. The defense was kind of uh, weak at times, but I think he still did a good job. And Len and, and Lopez, they proved a problem for some points of the game, but ultimately they didn't impact it too much. So I'm OK with that. Uh, Terrence Davis, 18 minutes, 13 points and Bembry, 23 minutes, 10 points, four for five shooting, really stepping up in his percentages. Two for two from three. I love that from him. Three boards, three assists in the night. So great performance from the team, I think. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up uh, Boucher and how he he kind of struggles a bit usually with with the bigger centers um, in the first half. I noticed once he kind of uh, kind of groups together uh, the players' tendency and kind of knows what they're gonna do and and knows their go-to moves. Like Lopez, he's the hook. He likes to he likes to do those pulse layups. I likes to work on the inside. Boucher at first was getting all muscled, but then he started using his speed to his advantage, getting to, to the spot that Lopez wanted to get to first and being yep. there to contest. He does a great job of adjusting, and that's what that's where I've seen the kind of the improvement with, with Chris Boucher. And also I wanted to credit uh, Lowry when people are hot and he's not performing well. Um, I've got to credit him for, for giving them the ball and letting them shine. I think he does a great job of not really focusing too much on his statistics uh, personally. And just letting other uh, other players shine now when they're hot, and it's it's the best really thing for the team um, in that situation. So kudos to him. Yeah, so he did a great job in terms of scoring. Honestly, you know, it wasn't even a bad night for Lowry. He was doing good. Those three balls are something that me and Adam have been shredding about when they weren't going in. But he shot five of them. He scored five of them this game. So it was a good performance. And for the Wizards, uh, obviously we talked about Len and Lopez, but their big obviously performances as expected where Bradley Beal with 24 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and uh, Westbrook 23 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, and a, uh, a steal as well. But the shooting wasn't the best from, from either of them. 3-for-8 uh, shooting from for 3 from Westbrook and Beal 1-for-6. So luckily that 3-ball wasn't as much of a problem as it's been in past games. We made 19 of them on 32 attempts. That's 59% from 3. 
they made 12 out of 41. That's 29%. So that was a clear margin of difference that kind of uh, led to us getting away with this one. And finally, moving on to the Boston game. You know, the, the energy was great coming off Memphis and Wizards. Obviously, two teams that aren't have the best, don't have the best records in the league. Let's be clear about that. Celtics, we knew, was going to be a tough opponent. Obviously, somewhat of our rivals here. And this one sadly ended 120 to 106 for the Celtics. The Celtics pretty much took the first and second quarters by decent margins. The third, we kind of tried bringing it back. We didn't do much. And then the fourth quarter, they just carried it away. We couldn't really get close. Um, it was just a struggle the entire game. In terms of scoring, Lowry had 24 points, 6 assists, 10 for 15 shooting. So obviously a good performance from him. Glad that he making a step in the right direction after having that horrible slump. Siakam, same thing, 23 points, 8 for 14 shooting. Good performance from him. Uh, Fred, he only had 5 points, but he had 11 dimes, 2 for 9 shooting. Obviously that's, that when he has bad shooting nights, you know, we've seen it a bit. He likes to just go in terms of, a, it turns into a facilitator of sorts. And his defense was still solid. Whenever he has those bad shooting nights, he kind of gets angry. Two steals and two blocks, that says the story there. Um, Powell took a step down in terms of scoring, only had 15 points on the night, 6 for 15 shooting. And Boucher, 12 points, 6 boards off the bench in 25 minutes of play. But he had 5 blocks on the night. That was impressive. Uh, everyone else didn't really put up a good performance here. The thing with this game was mostly just our defense. We just didn't know how to stop them. Uh, you know, Tatum and Brown are always the problems, guys you got to watch out for. They can literally blow by anybody and either make a layup or make a play out of it. And when guarding them, you got to keep in mind that they have shooters around them, guys that stepped up. Sammy Ojale, uh, scoring 24 points on the night, six three balls, eight for 12 from the field. And Pritchard, scoring six three balls as well, six for 10 from the field, 20 points, five boards. Um, <laughs> the thing was clearly trying to guard Pritchard and, and Ojale, they were just getting open and making their shots. And when you have to guard role players, it, it becomes a huge problem because you have three superstars in Walker, Brown, and Tatum that you also have to deal with. So the question is now, how do you guard them while also, while also watching those role players and then even dealing with Tice and Thompson who look like mismatches to our centers? So, you know, their team, especially on paper, I feel like is a huge, huge mismatch and they kind of have our number. And going into this one, I had a bad feeling that it wasn't going to go well for us. Yeah, like you said, Gabe, uh, it's a three-way monster there uh, with the, the big man of Boston, um, the three superstars, and then you got their bench to worry about. Uh, in this game, I really just thought uh, our bench just didn't give enough scoring punch. Uh, when you look at the numbers as well, you just you got Boucher with 12, which is the one consistent guy that's performing off the bench. Uh, Bembry's not really the scorer. He did play really well in this game, but he's not really a scorer, only four points. You got Johnson with nine, who got five of those in garbage time minutes. And TD was zero, and Watson got six in garbage time as well. So it was an even bigger blowout um, before really really those minutes. And uh, I think we just need a veteran coming off this bench, uh, putting up points for us. Um, and it's really uh, been, been an issue right now. Yeah, the scoring off the bench is a problem. Uh, I think just defense was also just a huge factor, in my opinion. I think that was the, the catalyst for this event, was just not having a solid defense, not being able to guard the three ball stopping Pritchard, Ojale, and, and just Boston's good ball movement, and then also trying to contain superstars. Uh, I don't know if OG and Watanabe would have made uh, as much of a difference as we think they would. Like, in terms of just stopping this team, it just looked like it was over before it began. And, you know, I don't really know what to do against this matchup. It's a team that I'm scared about when we're reversing them because they just got talent on paper and they perform relatively well. And maybe we got a little bit unlucky with Pritchard and Ojale shooting amazing this game. But uh, even the last time we versed them, Pritchard was a problem. So 
I don't think it's just luck of the draw. I think that's pretty much it. We kind of covered all three games and the topics here. Uh, like I said before, please leave your comments down below. Let us know what you think uh, was the main problem for that Celtics game, along with what you think we should do in terms of trading for maybe Thompson or Drummond, and should we give up guys like TD? What are your guys' opinions? We want to hear, so leave your comments down below. But like I said in the beginning, like and subscribe, and thank you everybody who's been subscribing recently. We're trying to get our numbers up, and uh, your support's appreciated. We hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast. Um, Instagram, follow us at Rapsville for NBA News Raptors content. Adam, any last words? Um, that that's about it. Uh, just thanking the guys, everyone who's uh, who's followed and have supported uh, this page, and we're just going to keep on uh, growing forward and creating good content. That's basically it, man. Yep, well said. All right, we hope you enjoyed. That's us signing out. Peace. Peace. People told me I couldn't do a lot of things. I feel like. I'm the chosen one. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. All we are is proud and passionate. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the Nothing matters but winning. Welcome back to episode 64 of Rapsville Weekly. I'm your co-host, Gabriel Chelio. Here with my other co-host, Adam Kasucci. And today we have a bit to talk about. You know, we've been off for a couple of days here. About three Raptors games have gone by. We got to talk about those, as long as along with some other news that's been going through trade rumors and uh, other stuff in the Raptors media, including even what's going on with the the G League starting up now. But before we get into that, as always, please like and subscribe. Check us out on Instagram at Rapsville for NBA news and Raptors content. And most importantly, leave your comments down below because we want to get you guys involved in the conversations as well. Yep, and we will be having a, a, a guest series um, in the summer. So if you would like to apply, we will be posting um, on our story uh, a bunch of applications that uh, just register and uh, and you will apply to be in the podcast. Okay, so to get started, I want to talk about uh, Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris's first two games in the 905. Um, kind of starting off there, Mutombo, the coach of the 905, kind of started them off on the bench which is a bit surprising, um, obviously them coming uh, from the Raptors and being drafted in this year's draft class. Um, I just wanted to talk about what's the big difference between the 905 and the NBA and how, how the confidence levels kind of change and how the players mentally prepare. Like if Malachi is going to be taking more shots in the 905 and he's going to be running the team more, how does that make a difference compared to him in the NBA? Yeah, well... In the 905, obviously, the competition is extremely different, obviously weaker than it would be in the NBA. So that can obviously add to the confidence level of some of the players. And I think that in terms of where everyone's at kind of in their career, most of the G League players are young players or are struggling to get a roster spot and they've been sent down for development or they're trying to just work their way up in general. So I feel like that competitive environment adds to everyone's fire of wanting to be uh, great and I guess someone like Malachi Flynn or Jalen Harris, both solid pieces, obviously Malachi Flynn being the first-round pick. Um, obviously, he wants to step up and prove that he is one of the best players you know, on the team and against his competition as well. So he wants to be aggressive and show that he can score. And maybe the defense isn't as good in the G League and the players aren't as skillful, so maybe he's looking better. But I think also there's a fire underneath him to prove his worth, especially because he was sent down from the Raptors. So he wants to prove that he is of some type of value. And also he can do a good job of leading the team there. And I just noticed like from the bit that I've seen him play, I feel like he is just much more aggressive with the ball. And like even on ISO plays when he was with us, he was very um, vanilla that he would just go, he 
He would just hold the ball, wait for a pick and roll, and just pass it around. He wasn't creating. He wasn't being aggressive, trying to make his own plays. Um, he was kind of just playing a really simple basketball. And then with the 905, he's been really aggressive and, uh, you know, attacking on the ice, so hitting, pulling up on threes. And I just feel like, I guess, with the G League, he just has more confidence there, and he's trying to just develop his game and prove his worth. Yeah, I feel like, like the G League, like you said, Gabe, is more of a showcase. You're trying to prove your value. You're trying to get to the big club, and you're trying to show the coach why you belong there. That's why we, we've been seeing guys like Elise Johnson, Nick Stauskas, Malachi, Harris, all kind of developing and growing in the 905. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of big games from them uh, because their confidence is boosted uh, when in the 905. Um, I think a lot of players mentally feel like they can they can take a lot more shots. And even if they miss, they're not under that much pressure. In the big club, uh, when you get less minutes, every shot is really more emphasized and you're really looking at only the minutes that you that you played in the little time, right? So uh, it's very emphasized. And uh, I think that Malachi and Harris will be back, though. I feel like, uh, especially Malachi, I think he does have the talent. I think he's just adjusting to the league and uh, and how big the players are, how fast they are, uh, the rotations, and what really Nick Nurse and how he fits in the system, I think is a big part of why Malachi got sent down. But I think he'll be right back up, and uh, let's hope he does well. Yeah, I feel like everyone just gets a fair amount of chance in the G League, get their minutes, uh, and get to put up good numbers. A lot of players in double digits over the past two games. And in the most recent game, Malachi Flynn putting up 25, Johnson 23 in the double-double. Um, so clearly, you know, there's tons of shots to go around, even Nick Stauskas. Uh, people just put up good numbers there, and it's definitely a good showcase for them. Hopefully, um, they make a mark there and they can return soon. We know Malachi Flynn has potential. He just hasn't been able to show it just yet with us. So hopefully we can see it soon. Yep, moving on to our next topic, uh, how not returning to Toronto will really hurt the Raptors tremendously. And I think this is a big thing also. Uh, if they return to Toronto, obviously they could be seeing their families, uh, which a lot of them are staying in Toronto, right? So, And playing at the Scotiabank Arena, obviously, uh, with fans. Even if they did return, I don't think they would have played with fans. But the, even just to play in the building, uh, you know the area, you know your surroundings. I think it will it would have helped the Raptors tremendously in that, in that regard. Yeah, they're just, they're in such a weird circumstance compared to, you know, it's already weird enough with COVID and all the rules and the traveling and waking up early to do your testing. It's been a problem for a lot of players, but I think with the Raptors having an additional thing of not being at your hometown, not being able to stay at your home if you have one or condo, if you have one in Toronto and having to deal with getting a place in Tampa and moving around and new environment, got to find your way around the directions, close stores or something like that. There's a bunch of different tasks that they have to manage on their own. So I feel like it's just added stress and not being able to come at home is a little annoying. Obviously, Tampa was a little more lenient with fans at the start than uh, it would be in Toronto. But still, I feel like, you know, the the environment, the atmosphere, your actual home court, I think it means something. But hopefully the team has found some type of uh, clo- uh, closure, getting their own arena and maybe making that their new home for now. I would really like to see them return. I know Kyle said the same thing, but... I guess it is what it is. You can't do much about it. It's what's best for the league in terms of safety of the players and transporting and uh, having to do with the quarantine and stuff. It's just simpler this way. So just hopefully the team can now find Tampa as a true home and use it as a home court advantage. Yeah, I feel like it's a sad case here for the Raptors because we really feed, feed off our crowd um, in every game, in every close game. Um, like now, Batia said, I think last year with Boston – um, really, uh, being in the home court, uh, in Toronto, I think we would have t- taken that series, uh, with the crowd. 
So I, I really think it's a big advantage, especially for Toronto having one of the best uh, uh, fan bases in the league. And, uh, and the players do really feed off of it. We've got a, a lot of guys with uh, with a lot of streakiness and momentum that can get hot quickly, like we've seen Siakam, Powell, uh, Lowry, a lot of guys that really feed off the momentum of the crowd. And it's just a it's just a, a bad thing here for Toronto. And I think they got unlucky in this situation. Yeah, we truly have one of the best fan bases in the league. And a lot of players say it. I think Tyler Hero said it recently that his favorite place to play besides uh, Miami is Toronto. Just because the environment is crazy, the energy is fantastic. We already know that it's going to be a good game. Our team usually puts in always a solid fight on both the offensive and defensive end. But we feed off the crowd. It's so true. And the energy inside the uh, Scotiabank Arena is just uh, electric. So it's a shame that we can't have that. Obviously, COVID is a, plays a big part in that. But I think this season and last season, at a point where we're kind of in the middle of transitioning between losing star players and trying to still be a playoff team, and, you know, holding on to our last couple of years with Kyle Lowry now, his contract will be ending soon. Uh, who knows where he will go, but also he's getting older and he obviously is close to retirement at some point. I feel like holding on to these last couple of years, it's sad that we can't have that home court advantage because we feed off of it so much. And a, and a an average team on paper in terms of what we had this year and maybe even last year, I feel like could have performed so much better with a home court environment, probably taking the Boston series, and maybe even taking Miami and going to a second straight final, you know, it's a possibility. And I feel like if we had that on our side, it would have played a huge advantage. So it's just a shame. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, our bench kind of could have also created like a, like a, also like we've seen in the past with the bench mob, yeah. uh, like we've had previously with, uh, with Pearl, Siakam, when they were on the bench, Freddie, um, they could have kind of created that kind of, uh, culture uh, on the bench if we had a crowd. I feel like now, uh, without the crowd, I feel like it's just, uh, not less energy, but, uh, they haven't been, been playing, uh, up to par. And there hasn't been a lot of, uh, scoring and, uh, and just production, honestly, off the bench. Um, other than Boucher and Bembry, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, that's what I think for that. And moving on, transitioning to the next topic, um, we will be talking about the, the transition of, of Powell and his game. And uh, the OG and Powell starter situation and what we're going to do there. Yeah, so Norman Powell, obviously, everyone that's uh, kind of been watching the Raptors, as long as you're a, a fan that's been watching the games, most importantly, you definitely have seen Powell take a huge step as of late. You know, probably somewhere around his last maybe 12 to 14 games have just been incredible. Um, with OG being out due to his injury, Norman Powell has found a starting role and he seemed to be producing night in, night out. Uh, the last game he had against Boston wasn't his best, that's for sure. But then the games before that, Washington and Memphis, he had uh, 28 and 29 respectively. And, you know, he's just been having stellar performances, taking on a big scoring role for this team and proving his worth, that's for sure. And making a name in the starting lineup. It seems that when he's been in the starting lineup and getting his valuable minutes, 30 plus uh, usually, he's been putting up great numbers, shooting efficiently and scoring in bunches, getting hot for this team. And the question is now, what do we do with him when OG comes back, which should be soon? Nick Nurse has said that possibly he's, he's expecting Sunday he could be returning. OG did practice today on Saturday. So, you know, it's a possibility we could see him on Sunday's game. But what do you do then? Do you play Powell at the bench? And is that going to ruin his momentum? Is that going to ruin his time? Do you try going small to keep Powell in the starting lineup? And if you do, then it obviously depends on who you're versing because that will make a huge difference on how you end up performing against the team that you verse. We're versing Minnesota next game, so Carl Anthony Towns is now healthy. 
you kind of need a big man. You can't really go small against him. You know, he's a good scorer. So uh, now you're in a tough situation of what do you do with Norman? Do you start OG off the bench at first? Maybe because minute restrictions, you know, because he's still with that injury, you want to play him lighter minutes. Uh, or do you put him at the starting, but still give him minute restrictions to keep Norman the hot run? But what happens when OG's fully healthy, Adam? Yeah, I think I would kind of make a little bit of a switch here. I would kind of do the unorthodox thing and, and put OG on the bench to start. And I think when getting this production from Powell, you just have to kind of roll with it. Like you're getting um, that much that much of an offense from Powell uh, just by himself. But when he's catching the ball off the drive, his kickouts have been great. Um, getting to the rack, his finishing has been absolutely tremendous. And he's shooting the ball with a lot of confidence. He's not hesitating at all. Uh, he's vaulting up right when he gets the ball. There is no, there is no uh, slight double clutching or anything. It's just he's going up and he, and he really feels that he can make the shots that he, that uh, the Raptors are giving for him. Uh, and I think he's been uh, enrolled in a lot more actions as well, a lot of more pick and rolls. And I think he's getting more comfortable handling the ball um, in terms of running the the Raptors offense as well. So I think his job, uh, to be honest, has been uh, simplified. And he just really needs to focus on scoring. And he could kind of be like a, a Malik Beasley uh, on the Minnesota Timberwolves um, to our opponent's next game. Kind of like him, just a scoring option and uh, can really benefit the team that way. Yeah, so what I'm seeing here is that obviously OG had a role as a 3 and D player. And Norm is bringing you the three ball shooting, but also uh, scoring in other ways, being more aggressive and uh, kind of better on the offensive end in terms of finding his shot, maybe a mid-range off a pump fake or driving to the rack. He's a little more, um, you know, good at doing all three things, three-level score. So that's good for him. The thing is the defense, you're always like, okay, you might sacrifice a size and strength and solid defensive ability, even though Norm can be a pest. There's that size and strength disadvantage. But luckily for this game, Minnesota, the small forward is Anthony Edwards, and he's a good player, but he's also 6'4", 225. In terms of height, that's at least someone that Norm can match up with. And starting lineup, that shouldn't be a problem. They got Beasley at, at the 2, also 6'4", and then Rubio at the 1. So in terms of us going as a small ball team like like we usually are, we're a little undersized, it wouldn't be a problem with Norm at the 3 this game. So I think it could be a good idea to maybe put OG off the bench. Yep, I'm, I'm going to stick with my case there. And then talking about uh, size, Gabe, Andre Drummond and Tristan Thompson are really uh, highly valued on the market right now. Um, and teams are looking to pick them up. Obviously, Thompson is in a situation with Boston coming off the bench for Daniel Tice, as we saw uh, the last couple games. And we also seen uh, Drummond kind of take a back seat, and Allen's getting a bit more minutes uh, for Cleveland. So is this the time to pounce from a side? Do we intensify in talks, Gabe? I personally, I think that now is the time we should move in on Drummond. Um, Cleveland's been having horrible sets of performances. In the past 11 games, they've lost 10 of them. And in the past three games specifically, Andre Drummond hasn't played the best. 15 points against the Suns uh, in 36 minutes, 4 points against the Nuggets, and 8 against the Trailblazers. And in the Nuggets and Trailblazers games, he played 16 and 17 minutes apiece. So for one of your star players who's an absolute animal on the defensive end and the offensive end, how is he being kept so quiet and his minutes being so low? He's not shooting the best, and I personally haven't been watching his play game in and game out, so I don't know if... This season, uh, the past couple of games, he's been just playing bad when he's on the floor. But he is a, you know, almost all-star caliber player. And for him to be not playing the past two games, they've been blowouts. And I know that the Cleveland's been going deep with their roster when it's blowouts. But 17, 16 minutes, it's a little bit suspicious. And I'm wondering if 
their trade rumors are hesitating and leading towards um, him not getting as much minutes because he could be getting shipped out and they want to get maybe Allen more involved to fill the role once Drummond leaves. And that that makes sense. So honestly, I think that there could be moves happening. And in terms of a Raptors fan, I really hope that the moves are coming from uh, you know our our management team because we definitely, definitely, definitely need someone like Drummond. He fits the role perfectly, the spot, like the, the space that what we need. The question is now, what do we give up? And how do we make sure it doesn't, you know, ruin the team and yeah. take away from what we're trying to build? Because we're still in a playoff spot right now, seventh seed, and we can definitely work towards a fifth seed at some point. So how do we just minimize the damage in terms of losing solid pieces? Yeah, like you're you're keen on this drumming, uh, Gabe. I'm looking at this Tristan Thompson deal. Um, I'm saying that we give up less value. Um, we're still p- picking up a bench power forward or center. Or we could even start Thompson. It depends, and we go we go smaller. Um, I would keep uh, Baines in the starting position, but uh, and I would move Thompson to the bench. Not saying that Thompson isn't as good as Baines, just I think that the bench will need some rebounding um, along with Boucher. And Boucher can yeah, and Boucher can also stretch stretch the floor uh, shooting the three balls. So I think that would be a big benefit to the Raptors team. Yeah, you know I think that's fair. If that move does work, I don't know specifically what they would want for Tristan. But it's, but like just rolling with I guess what we have right now, I, I can definitely see Tristan at the five and then Boucher at the four, stretching the floor, and then some of our other pieces uh, on the wings, like Watanabe or Stanley or something, and then whatever scoring presence we have off the bench at the guard position, uh, Bembry. I think I can see that working. It's just a question of what would they what would they want for Tristan Thompson? Adam, do you have any idea? I, the price tag will obviously be lower for Thompson uh, than for Drummond, uh, but I do think um, uh, Tristan Thompson, I think we can maybe offer Aaron Baines or if we offer uh, a Johnson and a couple of picks, um, I would be totally fine with that. I think we really need to solidify the rebounding off the bench um, because we need to really, that, that area has just been hurting us um, for too many games now and we've seen, uh, we've seen it hurt us in a lot of fourth quarters as well, so we really need to clean, clean that up. Yeah, that's fair. And then our last topic would be, uh, can we trade TD and get some veteran presence and scoring uh, threat off the bench? Um, I don't know about any names right now about vet, uh, veterans that are that are kind of on the market, but I would look at from a Sayujiri um, to kind of trade away uh, TD. Not that I don't believe in him, not that he's not a good player, I just don't feel like his consistency level is matches this Toronto Raptors team. I feel like we're looking for consistency off the bench. Uh, we need a scoring threat game in, game out. And he just hasn't been providing uh, that for us. And his turnovers and decision-making hasn't been uh, great of late. So I think that that's just an issue, that another one that we got to cover. Yeah, I know definitely Jack Armstrong's got a problem with it. He loves to point it out. And I know a lot of fans probably thinking the same thing. When uh, Terrence Davis comes on, he tends to make a lot of problems, a lot of mistakes, uh, giving the ball away, forcing up tough shots, going on an ISO and hitting a jacked-up three with a guy in his face that just bricks horribly. Um, he does score well. He, he is capable of being aggressive, driving to the basket. He's very athletic, great vertical, and he can shoot the ball when he's open. I just think like the decision-making is not there right now. Obviously, there is chance of improvement for him and I do believe that he can be a good asset to this team in terms of scoring the ball especially with the bench unit that's very defensive but there is a possibility that uh, the management even the coaching staff might be just getting annoyed with Terrence Davis's performance and shot selection and decision making 
So there is a possibility we can move him. Uh, the question of value is kind of hard. You know, he did make the all-rookie team last year, and he does have potential. It's just the question is how much do you get out of him, and is it worth giving him away? What I see more is maybe him and another player in a bigger move, like the Thompson or the uh, Drummond. I feel like he could be a good second piece with potential, just someone that definitely needs to be worked upon. And if we give him away in that sense as a second piece, I think I'd prefer that better than just straight up, straight up handing him over for picks or, or uh, you know, an older player that's not as good or not as not as much potential. I feel like he's good as a second option in a trade. Yeah, I truly see the value in that game. Um, I think to, to like, juice up the trade, I think giving a guy like Terrence Davis will obviously, uh, the other team will look and say, okay, he's got potential. He's young. Um, he's got an NBA-ready body. Uh, he has uh, had big games in the past. But, yeah, I think uh, I think that is kind of a good thing to kind of just rotate it in the, in the Tristan and Drummond deal. So the first game we want to get into now specifically is the Raptors versus the Grizzlies game. The Raptors won 128-113. to And this game, you know, was a pretty solid performance by our team. We kind of uh, fell asleep a bit in the second quarter and went down by half. But then the third and fourth quarter, especially the fourth, became a really strong and closed this one out. The thing about the night here was JV was having a bit of a revenge tour. Uh, he was just absolutely tearing us apart, and that's the starting lineup off the bench. Attacking Baines, getting rebounds, obviously has a bit of height over Baines. Um, being aggressive, you know, swinging his elbows when he's catching a board and then getting N1s. And then even Boucher, obviously, he has height and he has uh, weight on him. So JV was just absolutely on a tear. He put up 27 points and he had 20 rebounds on 8 for 12 shooting, a steal and a block. Um, he was just one of the main reasons that this game was so close. Obviously, they had great performances. John Morant had 18 points, 9 assists, but 5 for 17 shooting. Um, Brooks, 22 points, 5, five rebounds, but 8 for 20 shooting. Um, a steal and two blocks, I should add. And even Anderson, a couple of buckets, 15 points. Desmond Bain, 13. But the real problem was JV. Simple as that. Uh, Baines played 18 minutes, but didn't get much scoring. Only 7 points, 6 boards, because you, you can't do it against JV. Boucher, 29 minutes, 12 points, 10 boards, 4 for 11 shooting. So JV was like the impact player this game and made it very, very hard to, you know, kind of get away from them. But luckily we had, you know, three monster performances. We had Siakam with 32 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 11 for 18 shooting, uh, dominating his matchup with Anderson. You had Powell with this hot streak, 29 points, 10 for 17 shooting, 6 three balls on the night. He was obviously incredible. And you had Fred Van Vliet, 32 points, 9 assists, 8 for 14 shooting, 3 steals. So when you got three guys putting up almost 30 points apiece, um, you know, it's hard because you got three guys that are really hot shooting the ball well and attacking. Pascal on the inside, Fred uh, on the outside, and, and the same thing with Powell, kind of outside-inside game. So when you have three guys like that, it's hard to keep up. They obviously couldn't handle us defensively in terms of those three, but JV was putting in a pretty good argument for us keeping it as a close game. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up a little bit of uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet and uh, and how he performed. I felt like earlier in the game when Memphis was dominating, uh, Fred Van Vliet uh, really kind of held the load for the Raptors, uh, created, created the offense, and uh, when everyone else uh, wasn't really playing up to par. And then as Fred started getting into his groove, I noticed Siakam started playing better, Powell started playing better, kind of everyone kind of emerged as one, and that's when the Raptors succeeded and got their defensive stop. So I think Fred Van Vliet is a huge part, especially with Lowry leaving this game, uh, with the back spasms, I felt like he was the reason that, the, the, the turning point of the game, basically. 
Yeah, his leadership has just obviously been incredible in terms of uh, his ability to play you know, on the court, but then also helping his teammates get better and step up. It looks like they're following his presence like they used to at Lowry. So I think that he's doing a good job stepping into that role. And um, yeah, I think obviously just his performance was incredible. And then Pascal had a huge step up this game and even Powell obviously con- uh, continuing his hot play. And in terms of other players, we didn't see too much production in terms of scoring. Uh, Bembu played 25 minutes. He's he's really getting his minutes worth, man. He got six points, two boards, two assists, perfect shooting, and two steals on the night. I think that his role has become greater and greater. We've been talking about it so far, and it's clear. He's just making the right decisions when he's on the floor. He's he's hitting his shots when he has them open. He's not forcing anything. He's creating for his teammates, and he's playing stellar defense. He's just doing his part. Uh, Watanabe, uh, zero points off the bench in 16 minutes, but he had seven rebounds, a steal, and an assist. Uh, kind of taking a step down in terms of scoring and then obviously being injured as of recent with his ankle. We don't know if he's going to return. And Terrence Davis kind of been sloppy. So that's pretty much all for that game. Uh, for the Raptors-Wizards, the score was 137-115. Basically, the first quarter was a blowout. We were up 40-28. to 40 points in the first quarter is always a good sign of an offensive night. And then the second and third and uh, were pretty close. And then the fourth, we carried it home. We had a nice lead, and uh, we took that one home easily. Um, in terms of scoring, Siakam, once again, had a huge night. 26 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 9 for 18 shooting, 3 for 4 from 3. Uh, not really a, a strong matchup here. Hachimura was his best uh, defender, but he won that matchup easily. I think, you know, Pascal, I'm glad he's taken a step up these past couple of games, playing a lot better, being more aggressive on the inside. And this game, he was hitting the 3 ball, so that's good. Um, making a lot of bailout buckets. Lowry coming back from the back spasms. He had a solid game, 21 points, four boards, five assists, eight for 14 shooting, two steals and a block, five three balls on the night. So that was fantastic. Uh, Fred took a little bit more of a backseat this game, 14 points, seven dimes on five for 10 shooting because the other guys were hot. You had, you had Siakam scoring, Lowry scoring, and even Powell, who had 28 points, seven boards, four assists, 10 for 18 shooting, two steals. You can't ask for more, man. Back-to-back games, huge, huge numbers from him. Fantastic scoring, and I'll even give a shout-out to Boucher off the bench. 17 points, 16 rebounds in 24 minutes, two blocks, 5 for 10 shooting. Uh, in terms of center, all they had was Alex Len, um, you know, being a little bit of a pest, and Robin Lopez. They were being aggressive, you know, rebounding the ball especially, kind of uh, getting, making it a tough night for Boucher. But I think Boucher still put up a solid performance. The defense was kind of uh, weak at times, but I think he still did a good job. And Len and, and Lopez, they proved a problem for some points of the game, but ultimately they didn't impact it too much. So I'm okay with that. Uh, Terrence Davis, 18 minutes, 13 points. And Bembry, 23 minutes, 10 points, 4 for 5 shooting, really stepping up in his percentages, 2 for 2 from 3. I love that from him. 3 boards, 3 assists in the night. So great performance from the team, I think. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up uh, Boucher and how he he kind of struggles a bit usually with with the bigger centers um, in the first half. I noticed once he kind of uh, kind of groups together uh, the players' tendency and kind of knows what they're gonna do and and knows their go-to moves. Like Lopez, he's the hook. He likes to he likes to do those pulse layups. I likes to work on the inside. Boucher at first was getting all muscled, but then he started using his speed to his advantage, getting to, to the spot that Lopez wanted to get to first. And being there to contest, he does a great job of adjusting, and that's what that's where I've seen the kind of the improvement with with Chris Boucher. And also, I wanted to credit uh, Lowry when people are hot and he's not performing well. Um, I've got to credit him for for giving them the ball and letting them shine. I think he does a great job of not really focusing too much on his statistics uh, personally, 
and just letting other uh, other players shine uh, when they're hot. And it's it's the best really thing for the team um, in that situation. So kudos to him. Yeah, so he did a great job in terms of scoring, honestly. You know, it wasn't even a bad night for Lowry. He was doing good. Those three balls are something that me and Adam have been shredding about when they weren't going in, but he shot five of them. This, he scored five of them this game, so it was a good performance. And for the Wizards, uh, obviously we talked about Landon Lopez, but their big, obviously, performances as expected were Bradley Beal with 24 points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals, and uh, Westbrook, 23 points, six rebounds, seven assists, and a uh, steal as well. But the shooting wasn't the best from from either of them. Uh, three for eight shooting from for three from Westbrook and Beal one for six. So luckily that three ball wasn't as much of a problem as it's been in past games. We made 19 of them on 32 attempts. That's 59% from three. They made 12 out of 41. That's 29%. So that was a clear margin of difference that kind of uh, led to us getting away with this one. And finally, moving on to the Boston game, you know the, the energy was great coming off Memphis and Wizards. Obviously, two teams that aren't have the best don't have the best records in the league. Let's be clear about that. Celtics, we knew was going to be a tough opponent. Obviously, somewhat of our rivals here, and this one sadly ended 120 to 106 for the Celtics. The Celtics pretty much took the first and second quarters by decent margins. The third, we kind of tried bringing it back, we didn't do much, and then the fourth quarter, they just carried it away. We couldn't really get close. Um, it was just a struggle the entire game. In terms of scoring, Lowry had 24 points, 6 assists, 10 for 15 shooting. So obviously a good performance from him. Glad that he making a step in the right direction after having that horrible slump. Siakam, same thing, 23 points, 8 for 14 shooting. Good performance from him. Uh, Fred, he only had 5 points, but he had 11 dimes, 2 for 9 shooting. Obviously that's that when he has bad shooting nights, you know, we've seen it a bit. He likes to just go in terms of a, it turns into a facilitator of sorts. And his defense was still solid. Whenever he has those bad shooting nights, he kind of gets angry. Two steals and two blocks, that says the story there. Um, Powell took a step down in terms of scoring, only had 15 points on the night, 6 for 15 shooting. And Boucher, 12 points, 6 boards off the bench in 25 minutes of play. But he had 5 blocks on the night. That was impressive. Uh, everyone else didn't really put up a good performance here. The thing with this game was mostly just our defense. We just didn't know how to stop them. Uh, you know, Tatum and Brown are always the problems. Guys, you got to watch out for. They can literally blow by anybody and either make a layup or make a play out of it. And when guarding them, you got to keep in mind that they have shooters around them, guys that stepped up. Sammy Ojale, uh, scoring 24 points on the night, six three balls, eight for 12 from the field. And Pritchard, scoring six three balls as well, six for 10 from the field, 20 points, five boards. Um, <laughs> the thing was clearly trying to guard Pritchard and, and Ojale. They were just getting open and making their shots. And when you have to guard role players, it, it becomes a huge problem because you have three superstars in Walker, Brown, and Tatum that you also have to deal with. So the question is now, how do you guard them while also, while also watching those role players and then even dealing with Tice and Thompson who look like mismatches to our centers? So, you know, their team, especially on paper, I feel like is a huge, huge mismatch and they kind of have our number. And going into this one, I had a bad feeling that it wasn't going to go well for us. Yeah, like you said, Gabe, uh, it's a three-way monster there uh, with the, the big man of Boston, um, the three superstars, and then you got their bench to worry about. Uh, in this game, I really just thought uh, our bench just didn't give enough scoring punch. Uh, when you look at the numbers as well, you just you got Boucher with 12, which is the one consistent guy that's performing off the bench. Uh, Bembry's not really the scorer. He did play really well in this game, but he's not really a scorer, only four points. You got Johnson with nine, who got five of those in garbage time minutes. And TD was zero, and Watson got six in garbage time as well. So it was an even bigger blowout um, before really, really those minutes. 
And uh, I think we just need a veteran coming off this bench, uh, putting up points for us. Um, and it's really uh, been, been an issue right now. Yeah, the scoring off the bench is a problem. Uh, I think just defense was also just a huge factor, in my opinion. I think that was the, the catalyst for this event, was just not having a solid defense, not being able to guard the three ball, stopping Pritchard, Ojale, and, and just Boston's good ball movement, and then also trying to contain superstars. Uh, I don't know if OG and Watanabe would have made... Uh, as much of a difference as we think they would, like in terms of just stopping this team, it just looked like it was over before it began. And, you know, I don't really know what to do against this matchup. It's a team that I'm scared about when we're versing them because they just got talent on paper and they perform relatively well. And maybe we got a little bit unlucky with Pritchard and Ojale shooting amazing this game, but uh, even the last time we versed them, Pritchard was a problem. So I don't think it's just luck of the draw. I think that's pretty much it. We kind of covered all three games and the topics here. Uh, like I said before, please leave your comments down below. Let us know what you think uh, was the main problem for that Celtics game, along with what you think we should do in terms of trading for maybe Thompson or Drummond, and should we give up guys like TD? What are your guys' opinions? We want to hear, so leave your comments down below. Like I said in the beginning, like and subscribe, and thank you everybody who's been subscribing recently. We're trying to get our numbers up, and uh, your support's appreciated. We hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast. Um, Instagram, follow us at Rapsville for NBA News Raptors content. Adam, any last words? Um, that, that's about it. Uh, just thanking the guys, everyone who's, uh, who's followed and have supported uh, this page. And we're just going to keep on uh, growing forward and creating good content. That's basically it. Man. Yep, well said. All right, we hope you enjoyed. That's us signing out. Peace. Peace.